Konnichiwa and welcome to the board game dojo. My name is Eric and I'm so happy to have you back with us. It's nice to have my voice back after having COVID so I can speak with you on here and making videos again. Sorry for the absence, but it did give us a chance to reevaluate how we are doing and commit to more consistent uploads as we never stopped writing for you. We are going to keep working hard to improve our content, and you can let us know how we are doing by leaving us reviews on your favorite podcast app, on our YouTube channel, or on our Instagram and Twitter pages. We'd really appreciate it. One thing we've heard from people is that they like when we mix things up between science and history content and some quick other topics, and our download info seems to suggest that. So let's start our new path of more content with a quick hits list. Today, let's cover five games you should try at least once before you die. Now, are these the best games in the world? Mm, probably not. But they're such interesting experiences and so different from anything else that it's worth tracking down these games to play once in your life. Number five. The first game you should try before you die is Mask of Anubis, or its sequel, Mask of Moya. Right away, we are starting with something that I'm not sure if you can call it a game per se, because this is really more of an activity, but I'm not here to argue semantics. I'm here to tell you about some interesting stuff. Mask of Moya is the sequel to Mask of Anubis. They are very similar games, with Mask of Anubis being Egyptian-themed and Mask of Moya taking place underwater. They are VR experiences where one player is describing what they see in the VR goggles, which is mostly giant masks and these things called rapa-rapas and moya, and things like mummies, puppies, and flowers in Anubis. Your goal in both is to recreate the temple by describing what you see to the other player. This is another point where the games differ. Anubis is much more about the complexity of the corridor and the moving parts to it. It's a lot more straightforward, but the puzzle itself is challenging. Moya goes the route of introducing challenges that make describing these things more difficult than just saying, oh, there's a blue mask to the right and a red mask to the left. For example, some might say, describe something that is the color. So you'd say, there's a strawberry to the right. Or another challenge might say, you need to use sound effects to describe the color because each color mask is a different emotion. So the puzzle is simpler, but the game is more in how you describe what you see. So the person in the VR goggles is describing it, the other players are trying to build it with the pieces in the box. This is all in real time, so there's constantly a timer ticking down for the person wearing the mask. In Anubis, you can then switch players, but in Moyo, once that person is done, if they saw Rapa Rapa, they need to recreate it using clay. At the end of the game, the app will have you move yourself through the corridor, and if you get to the end, you win. These games are pretty similar, and you can go for the one that most interests you. I think Anubis is more puzzly, while Moya has more of a party feel to it, which is strange for a game we feel is best at two or three. But the games offer an interesting experience we haven't seen elsewhere. If you played Chronicles of Crime, this might sound a bit familiar to you, as part of the game is all about describing the crime scene to your partner, and you can buy an accessory that turns your phone into a VR headset to do it. But for this game, it consists of the entire puzzle. The entire activity is this VR headset. Mask of Anubis was actually published two years prior to Chronicles of Crime, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if the creators played Anubis or Moya to get ideas of how to make it work. The mask games are certainly more family-friendly, and the clay figures are a fun way to get kids involved as well, and both take less than an hour to complete, meaning that it doesn't take a whole lot of attention span either. I don't know if it's a game you'll keep in your collection after playing it, but it kind of reminds me of an escape room game where you'll play it once or twice and then pass it off to someone else who wants to play it too. 
It's a bit expensive, but I've seen both on the resale market for decent prices, and we think it's worth trying once because it's such an interesting concept for a game, and it's done really well. Number four. Number four is a bit of a cheat because it's a designer, but we really think you should try one game by Taiki Shinzawa. He's known for his trick takers, and I think if you're listening and know him, that's probably what you know him for. But he also has clever games in other genres as well. The reason you need to try one of his games is that they always give an interesting spin to a known entity. Salboros is an interesting spin on auction, as you bid on cards you think you can complete, and you complete them by bidding the amounts listed on those cards on other cards. It pushes you into auctions the whole time, meaning that those who can win other auctions by just accruing money are not going to be successful in this game. Segment Tricks is a great trick-taking game that has cards that look like a digital clock. It's an important note because you can change the number by adding these little sticks to the number, adding a segment to make your card stronger. Are all of his games winners? Eh, not really. But any of them that you can get your hands on are worth trying just because you won't have played anything like them before. Although previously difficult to get a hold of outside of Japan, some of his games are now more accessible. Ghost of Christmas was published by Board Game Tables, Maskmen by Oink Games, and American Bookshop and Cinderella's Dance are now fulfilling on Kickstarter, so should be more out in the wild or on resale sites. We will probably do a list of which of his games to play, but overall, if you like clever card games, give one a go. Number 3 I think we cheated a lot on this list. We are only on number 3, and we haven't given you an entry that's only one game yet. Well, we aren't going to start here, because we have a double again. Although these two are very different, just in the same genre. We think that before you die, you need to try either Tragedy Looper or Shadow Hunters. Okay, why are we even grouping these together? One look and they're very, very different games. Well, it's because Shadow Hunters is quite expensive to get, and what we really want to exhibit in this number three entry is just how many variations of deduction there are in Japan. Werewolf and its variants make up a good bulk of the card game sections here, with some selling for as low as $5 in the board game shops, or you can even find cheap werewolf games at the dollar store. So we place these two together because they really show how Japan uses the concept of deduction and really adds charm and complexity to it. In Tragedy Looper, most of the players are working together to beat the mastermind. They go through time loops to prevent bad things from happening. One player will be the mastermind trying to make those bad things happen, like murder or kidnapping. It's a one versus many game. And the trick is that you're not really supposed to talk to each other while the loop is happening. So you end up going, okay, we can do this this time. Let's execute this plan. Then something crazy will happen and you have to sit there and go, oh no, our plan is not going to work, but I cannot talk to my teammates yet. It's really hard to describe this game without visuals, and I'm also not trying to spoil anything, as you can really only play each scenario once, because you'll know the story, but I really recommend Ambi from Board Game Blitz's video on it, which I'll include in the show notes. The other game is Shadow Hunters, and this one is out of print, so I'm sorry to introduce you to a game that might be really difficult to get. This one is much more in the vein of Werewolf, as it's a survival game in which you can be killed by the other players if they figure out you're on the other team. The Shadows are trying to figure out who the Hunters are and kill them, and the Hunters are trying to figure out who the Shadows are and kill them. There are some neutral characters with special win conditions as well. Each player has a special power as well that goes with their hidden role. You can go to different locations, use the action, and also attack another player if they're in the same location. Both these games do deduction differently. Shadow Hunters is certainly more of a direct werewolf variant and plays quickly, 
while Tragedy Looper is a lot more story-based and takes longer. It's also worth mentioning that both of these games are ones in which you probably won't understand right away what's going on. You have to start playing the game in order to really grasp the rules, with Tragedy Looper almost being as famous for its difficult-to-grasp rulebook as it is for being a great deduction game, and that's in Japanese and in English. Grab whichever one is better for you, or what might be more realistic, grab whichever one you can without breaking the bank. Both of these games are actually high recommendations for us, both in how good they are and because they're so interesting. So you can't go wrong either way. Number two. How well do you know your friends? Do you like silly card games that spur a conversation? Well, then I have the game for you. I My Favorite Things. I My Favorite Things is a trick-taking game, technically speaking, but it's more about how well you know your friends. Like a typical trick-taking game, the card that is the highest wins. But how you get the high card is the interesting part. You'll give another player a category like favorite type of cake, and they'll give you a different category like most overrated music group. Everyone will have cards ranging from 1 to 5, and you'll need to write whichever one is the highest in your opinion on the 5 card, and the one you like the least on the 1 card, and everything in between. You'll also choose something you hate and write it on the 0 card. You'll then hand them to the other player after putting them in their little sleeves so that they cannot see the number you assigned it to, they can only see what you wrote. You'll then play a straightforward trick taker, but the face-offs are hilarious. You might end up with white cake versus the Beatles, or chocolate cake versus Nirvana. More than anything, this game is a discussion starter. The game itself is not really that good, and you'll probably spend 75% of it just in preparation phases, like erasing the whiteboard cards, thinking about what your favorite things are, and putting them in and taking them out of their individual sleeves. In fact, this is the reason that we got rid of our copy. But the game is fascinating as a way to get to know your friends. It was one of the games we had in our collection that most consistently created interesting debates. How could you think Billy Joel is overrated? What is wrong with your taste buds that you think angel food cakes taste better than devil's food? This game takes about 45 minutes to play, but it's a game in which keeping scores starts to become a moot point. Of those 45 minutes, I think maybe a third of it is spent playing the game, a third of it is spent in preparation, and a third of it is spent in debates. If you want a game that will create laughs and conversation, I would track down a copy of I My Favorite Things, our number two. And number one. This one was a hard one to pick, as there are so many games worth trying. Do we pick number one to be the craziest game out there? Do we pick something that is best representative of the cultures? Maybe we pick a traditional game like Go or Mahjong. But ultimately, we decided to pick a game in which best represents the aesthetic of East Asian games while simultaneously being a game we think is absolutely excellent and essential in people's collections. And that game is Crash Octopus. Crash Octopus is a dexterity game in which you are trying to load treasure onto your boat while avoiding the octopus head and tentacles scattered around the board. Instead of using your fingers to flick, you'll use these plastic flags which are pretty sturdy but you always have to be wary of octopus attacks. After each person's turn, the timer will advance one space, and every once in a while, the timer will get to a pink bead. That means it's an octopus attack, which is when the player gets to roll the dice at someone. Well, throw the dice, because it has to bounce off the octopus's head, and if it hits you and knocks stuff off your boat, that stuff is now in the ocean, and you have to retrieve it again. It is really fun trying to decide whether to spend your turn moving your boat closer to the objects or whether to go for an amazing shot, and it can lead to some hilarious moments of hubris. It's one of those rare dexterity games where we've played it 10 times and we still keep it in our collection because it offers enough depth to keep it interesting after a bunch of plays. 
Plus, adding the Pink Pirate expansion brings it up to five players and gives some more mini games and wild rules to give it a bunch of variation. If you're looking to order from Amazon Japan, I'd get the expansion right away. This game is perfectly emblematic of what East Asian games can do. It looks great on the table with an aesthetic that is both eye-pleasing and fun. It's immediately inviting and offers a nice variation on genres that we've seen plenty of times before. And the box size is quite small for a game like this, meaning it's probably one of the most portable dexterity games out there. And that's what makes many of these games special. It's a lot of game in a small package. It's different, interesting, and great quality. Are all the games mentioned here today clean? Absolutely not. They all have some edge to them, some je ne sais quoi, that makes them distinct from their German influences. East Asian games are pretty much the perfect blend of Euros and Amerithrash games. A great mix of thematic elements, some funny moments, and yet some serious strategy and high replayability. We hope you get a chance to play some of these games on our list. If you have, let us know what you think of them on our Twitter at the BG Dojo or on our Instagram at BoardGameDojo. You can also find us on YouTube, where now that we are back, you can find full-length reviews on our channel, and we are featured on the Dice Towers board game Breakfast with quick two-minute reviews. Thanks so much for joining us today. Have a lovely weekend. Arigatou gozaimashita.